the crowds had gathered. His famous written works were collected and then burned in the middle of the town square. His body was ordered to be exhumed, burned, and his ashes thrown into the River Swift near the town of Lutterworth, England. He had been condemned a heretic by the Roman Catholic Church, and he had been dead for 40 years or so already. His name was John Wycliffe. He is referred to as the bright and morning star of the Protestant Reformation, a towering influence among the early reformers that would rise to prominence over a century later. John Wycliffe and his teachings were identified as a clear and present danger to the Roman church authorities of the early 15th century. But why? What was it about Wycliffe and what he taught in particular that caused such a fierce reaction by the powers that be in the Catholic Church? And how did Wycliffe impact not only the reformers of the 16th century, but every generation of Christians that has followed, including our own? In this episode, we will look at these questions and many, many more. Welcome to Anatomy of a Reformation. In the year 1414, the Council of Constance gathered in present-day Germany. It is today remembered as the last church council to be held outside of Italy. For Protestants, however, the Council of Constance was famous for being the church council where John Wycliffe, along with Jan Hus, who we will look at in a future episode, were both condemned by the Roman Catholic Church as heretics. But that wasn't the biggest story arising from Constance at the time. The Roman Church of the early 15th century was in total disarray. Following the Great Schism with the East, we looked at in episode 1, the Church in the West had begun a precipitous decline morally, politically, and spiritually. It had also begun to show cracks in its institutional organization. When the Council of Constance convened in 1414, the church was going through yet another bitter internal fight. This schism is referred to as the Western Schism, where three men, Gregory Twelfth, Benedict XIII, and John XXIII, each claimed to be Pope. The council was called to deal with this dysfunction. Now, multiple episodes would be needed to properly cover the Western Schism and all of its implications, but the political battle was essentially between competing bishops in Rome and the French town of Avignon. After four years, the council eventually ended with one pope renunciating their office, one pope being excommunicated from the church, and one pope being elected, Pope Martin 
the fifth. In many ways, it is fitting that a church council that sought to address the dysfunctional, corrupt, and fractured office of the papacy would be the same council that condemned John Wycliffe as a heretic. After all, during his lifetime, no one spoke out against the Pope and Roman corruption like John Wycliffe. Around the year 1330, John Wycliffe was born in a small town in northern England. He was raised on a sheep farm and at the age of 16, left home to pursue his education at Oxford. Three years into his studies, one of the worst pandemics in human history swept across Europe. It is called the Black Death. In England, somewhere between 30 and 50% of the population was completely wiped out. Classes at Oxford, obviously, were suspended, forcing him to postpone his education. But this encounter with death on such a massive scale led Wycliffe to consider his own mortality. It was this consideration that eventually led him to Christ. One biographer of Wycliffe wrote, quote, This visitation of the Almighty sounded like the trumpet of judgment in the heart of Wycliffe. Alarmed at the thoughts of eternity, the young man passed days and nights calling upon God to show him the path he ought to follow. He found it in the Holy Scriptures and resolved to make it known to others. It is impossible to understand John Wycliffe without understanding that last sentence. His entire life, from this point forward, would be spent making the scriptures known to others. Following graduation from Oxford in 1356, Wycliffe became a teaching fellow. Five years later, was ordained to the priesthood. After receiving his doctorate from Oxford, he began his career as a professor there, where he quickly earned a reputation as the most brilliant theological mind in England. As his influence expanded, Wycliffe became a champion and a spokesman for biblical truth. He began to give lectures that stressed the authority of Holy Scripture over that of the Pope or any other church tradition. He spoke out against corruption in the Roman Church publicly. And around this same time, he developed a close relationship with King Edward III. Wycliffe's biblical stance against the authority of the papacy, coupled with the king's anger at the Roman Church and its taxation of England at the time, made him all the more popular among the royal family. Eventually, Wycliffe was appointed as royal commissioner and was sent to represent England in the negotiations concerning King Edward's refusal to pay the church tax. It was on this national stage 
that John Wycliffe encountered the corruption of Rome and its Pope face to face. His intense disdain for the papacy only increased, and with it, Wycliffe began to see an urgent need for change in the church. Wycliffe began to capture a vision for Reformation. Following his time serving as royal commissioner, John Wycliffe returned to England and began to serve both as a pastor in the town of Lutterworth and a professor at nearby Oxford. He was loved and admired by his students and parishioners. Wycliffe would lecture in the classroom during the week and preach each Sunday from the pulpit on the need for reformation in the church. By all accounts, he was a gifted preacher. And it is important to understand the spiritual context of Wycliffe's ministry in England during this time. The spiritual state of England was bleak. As one historian wrote, quote, the people of England were hungry for rich spiritual meat. Wycliffe's teachings, rooted in the Bible and the exaltation of Christ, were unlike anything offered in England's present spiritual drought. Wycliffe's preaching ministry, at this time, became so noteworthy that the King of England made him a royal chaplain, granting him access and a regular audience in the royal court. Wycliffe used this platform to preach on the authority of Scripture over popes and tradition and councils. He regularly presented his case to the royal court about the need for reform in the church. Like many of the reformers who would come over a century later, Wycliffe even went so far as to call the Pope the Antichrist. This caused Pope Gregory XI to respond by condemning Wycliffe as a heretic. And on May 22, 1377, the Pope issued five papal bulls against Wycliffe, citing 19 theological errors in his preaching and teaching. He was referred to as the master of errors by the Pope and ordered to come to Rome to face a formal trial on the charges of heresy. How did Wycliffe respond to the Pope's demands? Well, in today's terms, we might say Wycliffe ghosted him. He simply refused to show, stating that the Pope had no biblical authority over him and therefore he had no obligation to appear. It was a bold move by a very bold man. In response, Wycliffe wrote the following, I profess and claim to be, by the grace of God, a sound Christian, and while there is still breath in my body, I will speak forth and defend the law. I am ready to defend my convictions even unto death. In these my conclusions, I have followed the sacred scriptures and the holy doctors, and if my conclusions can be proved to be opposed to the faith, 
willingly. I will retract them. There was a steep price to pay for Wycliffe's open and very public opposition to the Pope. As the confrontation between Wycliffe and the Pope intensified, it became increasingly harder and harder for King Edward to offer Wycliffe protection. In the eyes of the royal court, this controversy between Wycliffe and Rome had made him a political liability. In the eyes of the king, John Wycliffe had simply gone too far in his protest of church corruption. Wycliffe was largely cut off from his former supporters in the royal court. And it would have appeared that John Wycliffe would live the rest of his life in relative obscurity. But in God's plan, John Wycliffe's story was really just beginning. In the next episode of Anatomy of a Reformation, we will look at how John Wycliffe went from being a respected professor and pastor to a disgraced dissident in the eyes of the church and his country. We will also see how Wycliffe inspired a movement of preachers and eventually contributed his most important contribution to the Reformation and every Christian alive today, the Bible in the English language.